Hey, hey, welcome to episode 78 of the Authors Read podcast. I'm your host, Leah Ryan. Today's guest is Jeffrey A. Martinovich, and he'll read from his book, Just One More, The Wisdom of Bob Vukovich. Hi, this is Jeff Martinovich, and I'm going to read a short excerpt from my new book, Just One More, The Wisdom of Bob Vukovich. Chapter 2, Why Not Me? Don't live down to expectations. Go out there and do something remarkable. Wendy Wasserman. Friday passed slowly with a mix of intern training classes instructing us on how to place the cash in the teller drawer, when to tell the manager we needed more ones and fives, and the procedure for wrapping each stack of bills for storage in the vault. I kept reminding myself that J.P. Morgan, John D. Rockefeller, and Mayor Amschel Rothschild all had to start somewhere. At least I had my bistro happy hour to look forward to. Bob had promised to help me prepare for my first networking lunch. At 5 p.m. sharp, I slipped through the corporate doors and briskly walked the three city blocks. I was surprised to see such a large crowd again. Apparently, Friday's happy hour was just as popular as Thursday's with the downtown crowd. The bistro was filled with the suits, a few retired business owners, and a fun crowd of neighborhood friends. Everyone seemed to know each other. I located Bob at his same station by the bar. He welcomed me back, and I felt that he was genuinely excited to see me. He wore a black crombie blazer, elbows worn, with gold and silver monogram buttons and a bright gold silk pocket square. He was finishing a Sports Illustrated article on Lance Armstrong. As I settled onto the next bar stool, he pointed to a picture of the seven-time Tour de France champion, sporting his coveted chrome yellow jersey. Interesting paradox about Lance, he started while sipping a fresh martini. They say America loved him because he was relentless, and now they despise him because he was too relentless. As I digested his observation, he ordered me a perfect martini, half vodka for smoothness, half gin for a little botanical bite, straight up, extra dry, one olive. We're out of light beer at the bistro from now on, sports, so this will have to do. We clink glasses to the end of another work week. Bob instructed me to hold the large glass by the stem to avoid warming the icy elixir, and he reached for a bottle of dry vermouth behind the bar. For future reference, young man, the bottle is labeled extra dry vermouth, yet an extra dry martini calls for very little, just a whisper of dry vermouth. It's another paradox. So if you ever order an extra dry martini at Applebee's, you will likely be presented with a disturbing concoction full of bitter vermouth from the bartender in training, unless you politely provide further instructions. But the more important question would be, why the bloody hell are you at an Applebee's? Man, I need to be writing this stuff down. While Bob took a sip, I took advantage of the break to ask about networking. So, Bob, you mentioned yesterday that you would give me some tips for my lunch next week with Mr. Richardson. Bob became animated. Yes, did you happen to watch the last Super Bowl? Of course, I could hardly believe how badly Seattle crushed Denver. Sorry for the pun, orange crush and all. 
Bob, dismissing my awkward attempt at humor, continued. Well, after the game, I was impressed with the comments from the young, undersized Seahawks quarterback, Russell Wilson. He told the story of his father constantly reminding him that someone had to make the football team, someone had to be the starting quarterback, and someone had to win the championship. So why not me? Russell reminded me of one of my favorite expressions, one which I had fallen out of practice implementing in my daily life. I believe the why not me attitude is one of the most important, if not the most important, determiners of life success. I also believe it applies to the many seemingly insignificant daily decisions, even how we approach simple lunches. Life is all about exposure. Gaining exposure and insight to what is possible is often the result of just saying, why not me? It's about creating luck instead of believing the world is unfair and you never get a break. I sipped the icy film on top of the glass. I thought Bob was going to lecture me on the proper fork to use or give me a journal quote to throw in, but he seemed to be heading down a different path. Bob continued, I refer many times to Forrest Gump's simple formula for experiencing an amazing life. If you tell me you haven't seen Forrest Gump, this meeting is over. Of course, about a hundred times, Bob. Second only to scent of a woman. Bob channeled his best Colonel Slade. Hooah! And continued. Tom Hanks was the master of why not me by simply saying, okay, every time he was presented with an opportunity. He became a football star at Alabama, a Medal of Honor recipient, a shrimp boat captain, and a gazillionaire. It never occurred to Forrest that he wasn't strong enough, smart enough, or brave enough. It all just made sense to him in the most simplistic way. Even Mama always had a way of saying things in a manner that made sense to him. Life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get, so why not me? Am I losing you, Cole? Not at all, sir. I was just thinking of that scene in Rudy when his father sat with him on the bench outside the bus station and tried to talk Rudy out of leaving the steel mills to head off to college. He said, we're Rudigers. Rudigers don't go to Notre Dame. Exactly, Cole. You're right on it. Growing up, I was fortunate not to realize that 5'10 slow white guys didn't play Division I college basketball anymore. But I was also fortunate to have two great parents who never alerted me to this statistic. I did, of course, have many friends and classmates who constantly reminded me that I would never reach that level. This only hardened my why not me belief, inspiring me to reach that goal. If we listen to what is realistic, the worst word in the dictionary, someone else out there will believe, why not me, and take our spot. One of the great teaching lessons I learned early on in Indiana summer basketball camps was that if you're not practicing hard today, your competition on the other side of town is, and one day he will meet you as your opponent, and he will beat you. I took a few more sips of my perfect martini, reminding myself not to warm the elixir. I wasn't quite sure what I'd gotten myself into. The why not me attitude is definitely connected with the self-fulfilling prophecy. 
So much of success is simply believing we should have success, which provides the catalyst for our actions, which then takes us to that success. Conversely, not embracing a why not me attitude, or worse, having that cynical why me attitude is a sure recipe for failure. During my fascinating experience in federal prison, oh my God, Bob has been in prison? I was surrounded by intelligent and gifted inmates who unfortunately were never exposed to the why not me attitude. Without a doubt, tremendous potential for achievement and social good sat behind those fences, never being exposed to why not me. As I tutored inmates to pass the GED, I spent the extra time building their confidence to hopefully instill the beginnings of the why not me belief system. So many times the response was, it's not worth trying that anymore. Unfortunately, our current corrections and rehabilitation system only propagates this defeatist attitude, but there can always be at least one success. Why had Bob spent time in federal prison? I carefully looked around the bar. Did anyone else hear that story or did they already know? Bob's countenance now took on a crooked smile as he continued. When presented with an opportunity to help others achieve a why not me attitude, remember the brilliant starfish story by Lauren Isley. <clears throat> a young girl was walking along a beach where thousands of starfish had been washed up during a terrible storm. When she came to eat starfish, she would pick it up and throw it back into the ocean. People gathered to watch her, both amused and amazed. She had been doing this for some time, when a man approached her and said, little girl, why are you doing this? Look at this beach. You can't save all these starfish. You can't possibly begin to make a difference. The girl, suddenly deflated, seemed crushed. But after a few moments, she bent down, picked up another starfish, and hurled it as far as she could into the ocean. Then she looked up at the man and replied, well, I made a difference to that one. The old man looked at the girl inquisitively and thought about what she had done. Inspired, he joined the little girl in throwing starfish back into the sea. Soon others joined and all the starfish were saved. Inspiring story, but what does this have to do with my lunch? I downed a bit more of my extra dry concoction, thinking it might help all this make more sense. Cole, for some years I served on the business school board for a young university here in Virginia. While we were very successful in growing the school and increasing our academic reputation, I had noticed that our achievement was still being constrained by our own expectations. Our top business school graduates were accepting positions at our local community banks or hometown companies. And while there was certainly nothing inherently wrong with that, I propose that our top graduates should have been enter entertaining offers from Goldman Sachs and General Electric. I proceeded to implement a Why Not Me program, which gave our students more exposure to the business world and hopefully achieved the goal of brain expansion. We initiated a Distinguished Speakers Bureau, an executive and residence program, student trips to New York, corporate interview training, and even social etiquette classes. These programs had a dramatic effect on our students, 
motivating them to apply to positions they before would have considered beyond their reach. They applied to top-tier MBA programs and even looked forward to moving across the country. They now asked, why not me? I wished we had that program at NYU. I was starting to get the gist of Bob's stories. So much of success is simply believing it is possible, then believing it is probable. I asked, Bob, what should I do to start adopting a why not me attitude? Bob's eyes were intense, his stare unsettling. Cole, you must get involved with more and more groups that raise your own level of expectations. Being around people you respect as successful expands your why not me state of mind. As you play for the varsity, climb the corporate ladder, or achieve higher status in your chosen vocation, you begin to see these overachievers as just like everyone else. Then you make significant paradigm shifts away from just desiring to achieve higher success to truly expecting this success. You become that person who simply expects to win. In my financial career, I dealt with top Wall Street executives who made 10 times more money than me and oversaw thousands of employees, but they all had the same challenges as you and I. They were frightened of what problems tomorrow might bring. They experienced the same insecurities that all leaders experience. Okay, if it wasn't obvious before, I had now confirmed that Bob was or is a finance guy. I wonder how he weathered the recent market collapse. Just like all of us, these leaders talked about the Yankees, Giants, Knicks, Mets, Jets, Nets. Well, maybe not the Mets, Jets, Nets. Or how they worried about the 14-year-old who just went down the proverbial rabbit hole. This allowed my brain to believe I am the same. I deserve, I deserve to be here as well. Why not me? Bob slapped me on the back with more force than I expected. Cole, you're a good-looking guy. Have you noticed that exceptionally beautiful women have fewer dates and proposals than the norm? Actually, yeah, I have heard that. Bob held his martini, directing me to survey the bistro happy hour crowd. This phenomenon is directly linked to most men not having a why-not-me belief system. We're all terrified of rejection, and we feel we don't measure up to these women's standards. But we all do have that one friend, or know that one guy, who seems to always be successful in this category. And we just can't figure out how he does it. He's not the best looking guy, or the most successful. But for some reason, he just believes it's his inalienable right to be with beautiful women. It is as simple as that. He just believes. We toasted and chuckled as Bob scanned the bistro crowd. He ordered us another round of perfect martinis, but cautioned me that with bistro martinis, we are only allowed two. He promised to tell me later the philosophical rationale of always two. Never one, never three. Back to the issue at hand. Cole, after Russell Wilson reminded me, I have resumed my habit of repeating why not me to myself as much as possible with incidental daily choices as well as the big picture worry list. We need to place the why not me note on the bathroom mirror for daily affirmations, even on our laptop screensaver, only with cooler graphics. How about t-shirts with a bold WNM? 
This simple reminder can have a dramatic impact on the choices we make for our own success and our ability to positively impact others. As I found myself imagining bright yellow Why Not Me t-shirts and wristbands like Lance, a woman approached Bob. Suzanne was striking with long auburn hair, a white smile, and an infectious energy. She took Bob by the arm, apologizing for the interruption, to introduce him to a naval officer and his wife. Bob offered, Admiral, as a humble token for your academy's glorious victory over my beloved Air Force, may I buy you and your beautiful bride a congratulatory cocktail. With a friendly reminder, of course, that we have next year to win back that Commander-in-Chief trophy. The Admiral was late 50s, khaki uniform with creases sharp enough to lacerate a soft civilian, unwittingly passing too close. His wife was the quintessential Navy bride, perfect figure, perfect white dress, perfect social graces. The Admiral graciously accepted and Bob was now off debating military air power and defense budget cuts. Clearly Bob had lived many lives before the bistro. As I settled back to the bar, I noticed a beautiful young woman sitting quietly at the other end, seemingly in need of some fascinating bistro happy hour conversation. I recalled how I'd been too embarrassed to tell Bob that my college girlfriend wasn't still back in the city, and of course the suit was the two-for-one special instead of Saks. My girlfriend had dumped me to move to Madrid and see the world. She said I wasn't part of her long-term plan. As I watched this gorgeous woman sip what I believed to be a cosmopolitan, I reminded myself that she was out of my league. She had long blonde hair worn up for work, a royal blue skirt and matching fitted jacket, and held her glass around the stem with delicate ringless fingers. I wondered if everyone else could see the aura around her. I was certain there would be a charming, successful paramour arriving momentarily. Suddenly, Bob reappeared and grabbed me by both shoulders. He had noticed my observations to the end of the bar. Bob ordered, go over there and politely introduce yourself. Somebody gets to talk to her. Why not you? I summoned a bit more courage than I had felt in a while and said, you're right. Why not me? Handing me my martini, Bob smiled and gave me an encouraging pat on the back. Now be back here at 5 p.m. sharp on Thursday. Next Thursday? Next Thursday. We've got a lot of work to do. As I ventured to the other end of the bar, coaching myself to say nothing stupid, I heard Bob in the background. James, just one more, but then I gotta go. I'd like to thank Jeffrey for sharing his book with us today. And thank you for listening to the Authors Read Podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes for the link to the book. If you'd like to support the Authors Read podcast, please like, subscribe, or share. Until next time!